the new president of Korea blamed feminism for Korea's low birth rate. It's apparently the lowest in the world right now, which I was like, mm. whoa, I didn't know that because I thought I thought Japan had that. Um, yeah. But, you know, Korea, not not one to let Japan beat them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the Politically Asian Podcast. We're just two Asian-American comedians talking about politics and the Asian-American community in hopes of getting more Asians to talk about politics. We're coming at you live from Brooklyn, New York. My name is Aaron Yin. My pronouns are he, him, and you can find me on social media at Aaron Flarin. That's A-A-R-O-N-F-L-A-R-I-N. And my co-host... Hey, my name is Jerry Lim. My pronouns are they, them. And you can find me across the internet at Jeriaki. That's G-E-R-R-I-E-Y-A-K-I. All right. So before we get into the news this week, you know, we always like to start off with our opening segment, Practice What You Preach. You know, so on this podcast, Jerry and I, we talk a lot about politics, but it's also important to do things in real life. So each week, Jerry and I share one thing we did in real life related to politics or organizing. Uh, And this week, I'll go first. My week was... Very simple. I just did the usual picket line in front of the Museum of Chinese in America. Um, I was think like the turnout was great that week. It was like twenty plus people. I was like, oh, this is this is one of the all time highs for recently. But pretty normal. Other than that, um, we had some some people from the People's Forum actually come over. They have been doing a project on like home care worker exploitation, mm-hmm. you know, with like eleven ninety nine, and they also heard about the picket lines that they came in. Few people also saw the Instagram and came through that. So I was like, that's always cool. But other than that, pretty normal, just chill day from 11 to 2, just, you know, spreading the word and doing what we've been doing. <laughs> spreading the word of the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I was thinking about this because, like, you know, you and other people, they always ask, like, how's the picket line going, right? Yeah. And I'm always like, what's the best way to phrase this? And, like, at a minimum, it's like the picket line's there mainly to, number one, like, you know, hold Jonathan Chu accountable for, you know, kicking out the Jing Fong, right? But he knows about the picket line very, very well, you know, because he's seen a poster of his face in Chinatown before. <laughs> like he like he knows. He knows yeah, yeah. what's happening. And like as long as the picket line is there, he knows that like if he tried to remodel Jing Fong into like a luxury, you know, like an extension of his luxury hotel or, you know, upgrade it to like some other kind of restaurant or do anything with the space, then he's gonna get even more backlash than he's already gotten continuously for the past two years. Because, you know, Jing Fong, he pushed them out in April 2021, mm-hmm. and it was supposed to have been turned into something by now, but it's still just like a big empty spot right now. Okay. So that I think at a minimum, that's what the picket line accomplishes. But ultimately, it's like the larger goal is trying to, I mean, essentially pressure him into reopening the original Jing Fong, right? So you, you, uh-huh. you can't displace a big Chinatown restaurant during the pandemic that was like a community center just for your sake of like profit and doing whatever else you want. But that's like the long-term goal. Short-term is just you're just holding the line. Okay. Yeah, I was, I've, I've always wanted to uh, ask about that. What do you think brought more people on this week? Uh, usually, like, I mean, okay, I framed it like it's never happened before, but it actually has happened before. Oh, okay. Uh, but usually it's, it's normally like one or two people over time, which is cool. But yeah, it's eventually people see it enough to where they're like, when I'm in New York City, when's it happening? What time is it happening? I'll be there. But but it happens more often than once. Okay, well that's great. Um, 
Yeah, any any uh, things on the agenda coming up or anything different? Uh, well, I did make a TikTok about the picket line. I'm going to try to make hey. one every week, actually. Well, because I'm like, dude, I never make TikToks anymore. It sucks ass. I feel bad every time I look at my TikTok and I'm like, ah, I haven't made anything. But I feel like this will at least be weekly. It will pretty much be the same video every week, you know, plus or minus like commentary for how that day went, you know, with a few new or old jokes about Jonathan Chu. Never seen a vlog um, like that before. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it I actually like someone was mentioning it might actually be the, the longest running picket line in New York City. Oh, sweet. Like, it's been, it's been going on for like two years, right? Like there's no, yeah. I don't know if there's like a, you know, Guinness Book of World Records for picket lines, but like uh, it's been two years. Yeah. Yeah, or almost two years. It's like in one month, it'll be two years. Oh, almost yeah. almost the same as the pod then. Yes, because when this pod started, that's when I started going. So they will always align. Oh, that's around cute. The time. Yeah. All right, that's cute. Yeah. Um, that was my week. Uh, how was your week? Um, my week was trash because <laughs> stuff at work has picked up, and like, it's so stupid. I literally bought an unlimited weekly metro card and then mm. i've i've like stayed at home for for maybe like three to four days this week um yeah just you know trying to <laughs> fill out my mutual aid donations and yeah you know stuff like that yo that's that's the minimum right like because like uh like you still have like the spreadsheet and you have a budget, right? Like how yeah. much you should be giving out. Yeah. So for people who don't know, I am anal about my finances and my budget and all that. And I make it a point to allocate a certain amount to just like mutual aid, GoFundMes, all that. I don't do it for the tax breaks. I I don't <laughs> even think you can do that for tax breaks. But uh, yeah, that's that's like the extent of my capital A activism this week. Mm, yeah. Did you, was there like a particular place or something that you donated to that you want to shout out? Um, shit. I, I, I donated this week to Iena's. She's doing a fundraiser, but I, I forgot what it's for. I'm so sorry, Iena. But if anyone wants to donate to, um, something she's fundraising, it's at the colonial Bulaklak on Venmo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Instagram. Definitely check out the Instagram too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure it's for something good. Yes, <laughs> I yes. just forgot. It was, it was for her birthday. So I was just yeah. like, oh yeah, let me do that. And so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I always, um, I feel like that trend started maybe like 10 years ago, right? I feel like Facebook what? actually started it. The whole thing of like using the birthday as a donation, you know, oh, like raising yeah, yeah. money for something yeah, yeah. else. This is definitely a Facebook Yeah, thing. I remember seeing yeah. that on Facebook. I'm like, oh, very interesting, but also kind of cool. One of the rare, rare W's of Facebook. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, we, we know we broke democracy, but yeah. <laughs> here's a fundraiser for your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But here's $20. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. No, that's good. I mean, I don't even do that. I am... I am not terrible with money, but uh, not as good with money. I, I have a budget, but it's not like <laughs> I, I don't budget out mutual aid, which which I should. But it's, that, that's it's, okay. it's definitely a privilege. That's yeah. that's all I'll say on <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, let's go into the news for this week. Uh, this week in Asian American politics, uh, we're starting off with some New York City news. So the headline for this piece is. Lawyers for some South Asian voters argue that the time to fix the New York City Council district lines is now. Uh, for some background, in New York City, you know, the city split up into all these little chunks, and each chunk has a city council member. Every 10 years, they got to redefine the lines for where those chunks border and what they cover. 
and the most recent one happened in the fall of 2022 so in october what like six months or so ago uh the splitting of the chunks was not good for um a lot of south asians and the indo-caribbean community in uh districts uh, 20s okay i'm, I'm not gonna try it's it's 20, just, it's like, 29 uh and, and 32 32 yeah it's like richmond hill and south ozone park it's like far east i don't i don't i don't know how to describe we, it we don't, we don't who have to get too technical okay. anyway, just, it, it, just out there yeah it just split up a big south asian community into three separate chunks and so that's why lawyers are suing the commissioner who split up the districts for doing this jerry what is one thought you had about this yeah i mean i think this is on trend with like a theme that we talk about a lot on the pod with like displacement and things like that and I feel like displacement is particularly prominent in New York because everyone's always moving due to their rent. Or if not, they're always thinking about it, at least, uh, especially in communities that have been there for a long time. I think the one thing that came to mind off the top of my head was with Huge Ma when he was running for state assembly and he dropped out. He had to drop out of his race because he 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 announced he was running and then they they like redrew his district and his home happened to be out of the new district that he wanted to run for which was <laughs> fucking awful but yeah that's that's what i thought of i forgot about that yeah 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 <laughs> I I remember we, were, we were so hype about i i was hype about him and then like yeah. and then like the next thing you know it's like oh i'm not running because it's not even my district anymore, which is really yeah, sad. Yeah, it only happens like once every 10 years. It's 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 specifically because of the census. So like they right, always exactly. look at the census and decide like, you know, how to allocate it. The main reason why this matters is because depending on the composition of like the, like, you know, who's in what district, it determines like how much funding they get for like healthcare, schools, transportation. And the lawyers are suing because they say like the district line should be drawn to quote, have a, fair and effective representation of racial and language minority groups mm -hmm. according to the voting rights act so it makes sense to me it's like yeah south asians in, uh, getting split up into three different city council districts is uh, not good for representation yeah um i like looked into the demographics of each district they were talking about and um district 29 i think has a in its current Form is like 28% Asian and then mm. District 32 is 15% but that's that's with the current lines and I imagine if like it's been is the term gerrymandered I always get gerrymandered and redlining I think it's gerrymandered right or they like draw it yes 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 I just then I then I'm like I don't know what redlining is anymore I, I think <laughs> I think redlining is like when they kick specific minority groups particularly black people out by like oh, yes, doing it yes. through like financial means like they're like oh you can't you know you can't afford this you can't you yes. don't qualify for a loan blah 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 exactly. anyways yeah so i thought that was interesting to read about specifically because district 32 is represented by the only other republican on city council outside of the staten island which you know we, we kind of expect that from staten island but queens yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 joanne Ariola. <laughs> Oh last, yeah, yeah. <laughs> her last name is pretty funny. Yeah, fun. yeah. Um, and if that sounds familiar uh, to people who have been listening to the pod for a while, it's also because uh, we had her competitor, her what's it called? The not enemy opponent. We'll just say oh, opponent. Yeah, opponent. Uh huh. Felicia saying on the pod, and that was the district she was running for. Yeah, I'm kind of like you know, so all these lawyers. It includes Aldef, which is the Asian American Legal like think education yeah. fun yeah like they're, they're, they're like like pretty that. big but i'm like it, it makes sense like this lawsuit makes sense to me but i'm also like this feels like it's like 
three months before elections, and I feel yeah. like it's it's pretty unlikely that the commissioner is going to like put all the elections on hold, redo the district lines, and everything mm-hmm. in the next three months, given the you know the absolute glacial pace that uh <laughs> you know the city does things, right? <laughs> I mean, is it glacial? Just, you know, during the Ice Age or glacial during, like, climate change like that? Yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> may make a difference. Um, yeah, but, e- but, yeah, they were trying to... I think that's how the city is hoping to combat it, based mostly on, like, technical terms. I think I wrote here that, like, um, something similar about... Uh, just, like, even if they were to pass it, like, within the timeline, it's just not possible to redraw it. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Aldef, they do have a redrawn map already, so I guess that might speed things up. Like they call it the Unity map. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's like the chunks are slightly different, but in a fairer way for the South Asian and Indo Caribbean community. Yeah, I I uh, reached out to uh, Felicia in regards to like you know I told her we were covering this on the pod today, and I was like, hey, care to comment? <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, she she gave us a a little blurb just talking about. She did say that um she supports the Unity map. And um, just essentially that when she was campaigning, she saw like how, you know, voters were racially polarized in that district. Most Asian and Latina voters voted for her in the general election, but just um, could not match the let me quote, could not match the amount of white voters outnumbering and washing out our communities of color. Uh, Keeping these communities of interest whole is about investment in a community that have been continuously disinvested from and have never been able to elect representation. So I think that's like, you know, just interesting to think about how these district lines can break up people, even if they are geographically together. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I always think about, you know, I always think back to Chinatown, right? Like Chinatown is all under one city council district. It's district one. And like the entire thing is in one piece. Um, yeah. Along with Lower East Side and like Wall Street and everything south of that, but That's it, a big district. It, yeah, it's a really big and diverse district of like yeah. inter- even in terms of income, right? You think Wall Street yeah. super rich, you know, China Chinatown, Lower East Side, pretty like working class, right? Low income. Yeah, I, I can I can see the analogy in my mind. It's like yeah, if that was split up into three pieces, it would make everything a lot harder uh, to accomplish. But, but wait, couldn't you also argue that if it was split up, it could also be good, right? Like if they if they broke it up neatly like where it was like they separated wall street from chinatown wouldn't mm. that be good for the di- for chinatown yeah um i mean i guess i could also see why that would be bad but uh, yeah i guess it depends on how they split it right but i'm thinking like if they split off chinatown specifically into three chunks like they did with the uh, south asian community here yeah. that would not be as good yeah i mean i think talking about chinatown is a good segue into our next uh, article that we're covering which is titled Manhattan Super Jail is Already Swallowing Chinatown. Um, this is a piece from E. Alex Jung from Grub Street, and it basically discusses the impact the super jail has on Manhattan's Chinatown, despite not even being built yet. Aaron, you know, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, when I saw this, I'm like, we gotta, <laughs> I wanna cover it because that's what the picket line is all about. Um, uh, I like this article overall because I does think it focus it focuses on displacement without really saying the word, which part of me is like you gotta say the word because it's literally interviewing like the restaurant owner of Bokai, mm. uh, which is like a it's like a Chinese it seems like a like a Chinese restaurant that got pushed out because of the jail. Right. So you know, building this mega jail has pushed out um, that place plus like two other restaurants directly out of the neighborhood so that's like what displacement is right getting pushed out uh, uh, yeah i would push i would push back that he needs to needs to say displacement just because i mean it's 
it is Grub Street and it is a food. Oh yeah, food. You know, like yeah. and and I think like some people's brains shut off when you say a word with more than three syllables. Mm. Okay, but it is displacement. Yes, um, yes. Is most of the article I think just talked about the history of each place, which I thought was great. It's like yeah, mm-hmm. Chinatown's not just a place where you consume stuff. These are real people who got like married here. They have a lot of memories here. It's actual home and an actual place. And the jail is just another source of displacement in Chinatown, pushing out restaurants. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I feel, I feel like this is Asian America's hottest think piece is this one. Like this lunchbox piece has everything. It has like <laughs> small Asian businesses, like calls them out by name with, you know, dish recommendations, always, always clutch. Um, it has current political issues. So they discuss the jail and also the economic impact of COVID, which we've discussed on uh, pod before. I feel like constantly, really. It has New York City history, like you talked about, and then it dunks on Eric Adams. Like it has like all the quintessential pieces that I need from. If you're gonna talk about like Asian American food, like I feel like this is a good way to go about it. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, I guess the difference between like this and the lunchbox piece is the lunchbox piece always focuses on you as an individual. Ooh, yeah, that's you know? good. But this that's one, good. it's a collective piece on many restaurants being affected. It's in like a about community. Us. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. It's about us and community. I'm like, okay, yes, mm, I can see that. That's good. That's good. Yeah. yeah. I think everyone, when they talk about the mega jail, they always, you know, talk about abolition all the time, like mm. you know, abolition this, abolition that, and it's true. But I think the part they don't talk about is the impact of the jail on pushing people out. Because like, why does everyone care that it's happening in Chinatown versus like, like it's also literally happening in Brooklyn, Queens, and the Bronx, but no one's like been protesting or like not, you know, vocally about each one of those. It's just been happening, right? And mm-hmm. the reason people care about it in Chinatown is just because it's like one of the last like historic neighborhoods, like ethnic neighborhoods in New York City. And yeah. people don't want them pushed out of the neighborhood. So it's like the, I feel like they're saying abolition, but they really care about the fact that it's like affecting Chinatown. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, just keeping the cultural fabric together that requires keeping the community together instead of putting like plopping a jail down in it um yeah yeah i liked i liked how this article pointed out that like um on the campaign trail eric adams was very no new jails and then as soon as he was elected those jails like started construction and deals and all that so yeah like yeah i appreciate the fact check yeah, dude, that's just, it, it's just the class. I feel like that's such a classic politician thing. Yeah. Um, And like during like some of the protests before the jails were being put up, they actually, um, NUBC, which is Neighbors United Below Canal, they had like a truck just playing that clip from Eric Adams, like <laughs> <laughs> just drive all throughout New York City. And it's like, <laughs> it's good, but it's just like, to me, I'm like, I don't trust a single thing any mayor says. Mm-hmm. If they haven't been, you know, involved with the community beforehand, they're just saying what you want to hear. Then it's like, oh, JK. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I, but I don't, I don't know. Like, I feel like even if like someone like has that um, lived experience or whatever, I don't know. I, I'm thinking because they, uh, Eric Adams, I'm pretty sure I should have read the article way more thoroughly, but Eric Adams hired an uh, chosen Asian guy to become the new taxi commissioner and he said that for his first first to-do list item he wants to like spend a set amount of time just working as a taxi driver 
just to see what that's like. And I just kind of wonder, I'm like, is this all for show? <laughs> <laughs> he's doing, um, it's like undercover boss. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly. basically what he's exactly. doing. <laughs> undercover boss. I mean, I can see it from like a understanding worker's perspective, I guess. Maybe? <laughs> this shit sucks. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. what you're trying to get out of it. Yeah, exactly. Hey, everyone. Uh, if you're still listening to the podcast right now, thank you so much for making it this far. Here to just say, if you like us, please consider pausing the episode right now and uh, give us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. Those reviews really, really help us out with the algorithm that, you know, does not really like us overall. If you want to support us financially, you can also do so uh, by going to buymeacoffee.com slash politicalasian. If you donate, we'll also give you a shout out as well. Just a one-time payment of whatever you want. Uh, and yeah, that's it. All right. Thanks for listening. And back to the episode. There's so many bad things about the jail, but something I was just like, you got to be kidding me, was it, it's the fact that like there's this housing complex called Chung Pak right next to the jail. Uh-huh. And it's full of old Asian people. Like It's primarily old Asian people. Right. And the jail is partially being built on top of it that's insane so i'm like okay first of all if that thing collapses that's really not good but second of all it's like even the construction and all like the dust and demolition is not good for old people yeah definitely check it out and join the picket line or protest the super mega jail in your own way just you know i, I think it's at least good that people are writing about this in chinatown because that's the only thing that's really you know i think keeping things at bay for now yeah well moving on so the next article we want to discuss is titled a World Without Men Inside South Korea's 4B Movement. And it's a pretty lengthy article discussing the misogyny and conservatism of South Korea. It tells the stories of young Korean women rebelling against the social standards. For 4B stands for the pillars of like the movement. And uh, yeah, just giving the extra context that this article is not written by a Korean woman. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, yeah, Aaron, as a cis-hat Asian man, what are your thoughts on this article in feminism? Yeah. Uh, wait, I didn't even know that wasn't... Uh, see, I didn't want to assume. Like, I didn't know if it was written by like a Korean... Like, is it a, definitely a white person or just like a... It's, it's not. I don't think... I don't think they are white, but I don't think they are Korean or even like half Korean either, but... Oh, okay. Yeah, I had no idea. It's Anna Lou Sussman. Uh... I feel like if you are of a certain ethnicity writing about your homeland or like what's going on in the homeland. I feel like there is a point in the article where you should say, you know, as a Filipino American, oh, I yeah. am writing about, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. it's just like, yeah. oh, I, in my childhood, I used to go to, this reminded me of the Philippines, you know, yeah, literally. Exactly. <laughs> hard, hard to tell, but. uh, Yeah, tell us, tell us about feminism, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> This is very different than, uh, you know, the Korea that K-pop presents. I'm like, it's it's just giving a more more holistic image. And mm -hmm. uh, I I'm you know not Korean, but just to kind of explain a little bit more about the four B movement based on the article, it's based on like these four words in Korean that all start with B, like the letters B I, which means no, and it's like the four Korean words for like no straight marriage, no childbirth, no dating, and no heterosexual relationships. That's the context for 4B. Um, yeah, but I'll just keep it at that. Very new to learn about like what's happening there, and it kind of links the TikTok memes and this together in one line now. Uh, yeah, I, I was very... The whole 
refusal of childbirth thing kind of gave have you ever watched that show the the handmaid's tale i've watched clips but not episodes Okay, yeah, it's it's kind of the I guess reverse of that, um, where like oh, yeah. uh, there's like a disease that like wipes out fertility, and so basically society reverts to like government controlled um, birthing and all that stuff. Mm. Um, and uh, I thought that was very interesting um, to read about. And uh, they talked about how the new president of Korea blamed feminism for korea's low birth rate it's apparently the lowest in the world right now which i was like Mm. whoa i didn't know that because i thought i thought japan had that Um, yeah but you know korea not not one to let japan beat them Um, (laughs) yeah yeah, uh so yeah i thought that was i thought that was really interesting to me it kind of read like almost like a union you know like a a a workers union of women like they just like uh banded together and we're like we're not we're not gonna have babies like fuck you <laughs> yeah it's a collective i was yeah. gonna say like you know in the handsmaid's tale they were talking about like a disease i feel like in real life like the disease is just capitalism like that's <laughs> that's what it is it's you know every single article talking about low birth rates also talks about like there's higher costs of living education costs more raising a child costs way more we have no free time to do anything it's like that's you know, it, it kind of all makes sense. Yeah, and they talked about that in this article. They said that, uh, I know in America, we always uh, talk about how, you know, the wage gap and um, between men and women. And uh, they said Korea's is also the largest wage gap in the world. It's like, I, I can't even remember what it was, but it's like they make like something about 31%. I don't know. Yeah, it's, yeah. It was, it was it's, really, it's yeah. a big gap. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, good, well, good memory. Yeah, women <laughs> earning 31% less than men you know, also workplace discrimination and yeah. And then specifically what I thought was super interesting and in line with that uh, thought about capitalism is they talk about uh, the stories of one of these women, how she had to buy, not only was she earning less, just the cultural, the culture of society expected her to also keep up appearances with makeup and, and clothes, new clothes. And like makeup is expensive, dude. Like I, I went to Sephora one time and like, just to buy stuff to keep my face moist, not even uh-huh. to like paint it with like yeah. eyeshadow or anything like that. I think I walked out with like ninety dollars of like oh. worth of stuff. It was like two mm-hmm. or three products. Yeah. Um. And you know, Korean beauty products, I feel like, are on a whole nother level. So. Yeah. Man. <laughs> I was like, yeah. That's when the skincare bites back. It's like, right. Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we're seeing similar trends between like in Korea and America. Like, like in general, they talk about how. Like part of what's why this is happening is like they mentioned that the rate of college enrollment among Korean women is much higher than that of men. It's like mm-hmm. three fourths of women compared to like less than two thirds of men, and that gap is only increasing, right? So I feel like short answer is guys don't go to college, and then they <laughs> complain a lot about women not being the traditional wife. I feel like that's like the summary of what's happening in America, but also in here in Korea. Yeah. 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 I mean. I don't know. I don't know if college is the the way it is. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if college will fix an incel, but, yeah, that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a very long article, but I also thought it was a very good article. It just had a lot of numbers and good insight. I was like, oh, yeah, they even have, like, domestic violence numbers of, like, the Korean population versus, like, on average versus other countries. And I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. Interesting. Um, In, in a not good way. Yeah. <laughs> Not funny. Ha ha. Oh no. (laughs) Um, One thing that I thought was interesting, you know, kind of going back to that point about uh, women unionization, that kind of thing. 
Um, they talked about in the article that they're like online subgroups. Um, yeah. And specifically one that is focused on economics, which I thought was interesting. They looked yeah. at job listings, banks with the best interest rates. I was like, yo, this is a really organized group. Um, <laughs> and it's about this idea, like the belief that if they improve their collective economic power, so will their political power grow and that kind of thing. Um, I feel like that's a great discussion point. Like, what do you think about that? Do you think that's true in all cases? Blah, blah, blah. I think it's true. I mean, you know, more, <laughs> I was going to say like more money, more problems, but also like more money, more influence, right? Yeah. And more more power to do actually do things. And they're definitely in here for the long term because the person they interviewed was like, yeah, if our collective economic power grows, so does our political power over the next 20 years. So like, okay, oh, they're yeah. already thinking like that. And I'm like, I, that's good. Yeah. And every single large trend about like college enrollment and yeah. like, you know, hopefully the wage gap decrease over time, like everything's also pointing to that. Um, I think it's cool. I think right now it's like, you know, they're not even seeds anymore. Right. I'm not, I wouldn't say it's like, we're watching the seeds of something happening. It's like, these are already kind of sprouted yeah. into like pretty organized collectives. Right. I feel like this is, when I read the online community, I'm like, this is Reddit, but like less, you know, not toxic. Like, <laughs> it's like Reddit, but not Reddit. <laughs> yeah, Reddit, but not Reddit. Yeah. 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 Reddit, Reddit minus incel, but yeah, that's <laughs> our incel. Yeah. Our incel. <laughs> you know, with every movement, there's always like little bits of fractures, but they seem pretty unified overall. Yeah. Um, I thought, I think that's like one thing that's like, I feel, do you feel like this is true? Like when we look at like movements in, other countries, particularly, um, I mean, obviously, like Asia, because, you know, um, I feel like they're always playing the long game. And when we look at like stuff here, like movements here, I feel like it's not so focused on like, oh, what's on your 20 year vision board? Sort of. I mean, I, OK, so like, for example, I'm like thinking about when Stop Asian Hate was like at the height of it. Uh, we were like talking about like this car service thing that people could, you know, pay for. Cafe Maddie, yeah. 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 Or like things like that. Like that seemed like a very um almost I don't want to say short short sighted, but just like a temporary band aid kind of thing without yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know? I would say, you know, great article that I always recommend everyone reading. It's called Organizing versus Activism. Mm -hmm. It's by some website called like organizing.work. Uh, okay. You know, great URL. But I think that's what's happening here. It's like this, you know, 4B, they have like a very long-term goal. Like they believe like Korean men are beyond redemption. Like our overall goal is for like essentially like getting rid of the patriarchy in South Korea. Yeah. They have a very like long-term organizing goal that involves like a concession of power versus like activism is more like you're just constantly chasing like the latest bad thing that happened. Ooh. That, that's, that's like what the article says. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm just literally <laughs> copying bar for bar right now. It's like, you know, you're just, you're just kind of going from like outrage to outrage and there's yeah. no like larger thread. Right. And I think mm. that's, that's true. But I was going to say like, we talk about like Starbucks union, Amazon union. Those are very like long-term goal things. Right. And like they're still going and, you know, yeah. building out over time. So yeah, I, I thought a good line from the article that kind of sums up what you said is like what happens when the rage mellows or when other concerns take priority. Because like mm. they talked about one of the young women's friends when they hung out with her, they wouldn't wear makeup because they knew she was like one of these four B like uh, activists organizers. Uh. But like when they were like out in public and they even told her like they weren't ready to give up the uh, power that being conventionally attractive gives i think is what the article oh, said or something yeah. like that yeah, yeah. Um, oh here you go uh, selective feminist 
I mean, I got nothing to say about that. I was going to say, <laughs> what do you think about that? <laughs> about specifically which one? The selective feminism. I I don't know. Like, obviously, like, my first instinct is kind of like, oh, pussies. No, but uh, <laughs> I mean, like, my first instinct is like, oh, like, I don't that that's like really not good but then i like i think about my own life and i'm just like well i don't know sometimes like you know i do order from amazon like it's hard yeah. I, I don't <laughs> yeah. i can't shame i can't shame them for like and maybe it's also a safety thing they talked about like how oh when i shaved my head you know for this movement um i was like attacked i was doxxed blah 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 oh yeah so yeah. i you know like i can't i yeah. can't shame them for that um yeah. i mean as as long as it's not like a deal breaker value, right? Like, yeah, clearly, like yeah. the makeup and the shaving the head, it's not like if you don't do it, you're not one of us, right? So, yeah, that's that's I feel a like overall, culty. it's fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's like the uh, they call those skinheads in prison. Oh, no. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, I was gonna ask one more question like, do you think things like this play a role in the state of Asian Americans today? Like, you know, with the whole white male, Asian female, one of the quotes here was like, they think. Korean men are unredeemable or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and MR Asians in general. Dude, well, I will say it's like, this is, this is not good for the brand. I'll say that. I mean, like, <laughs> it's not good. I mean, like, it's, you know, fellas. <laughs> this is not good for the brand. Because, I've uh, you know, before I read this article, I was like, oh, things are changing. We got K-pop groups left and right now. Physical 100. <laughs> Physical 100, the TV show. It's like, yeah, you know, Asian dudes. But then I read stuff like this and I'm like, oh, okay, this is a very deep seated, uh, you know, and very, you know, normal and uh, valid hatred. And I'm like, this is, you know, that's like not good for the brand. It's like guys in Korea. Yeah, so like, I understand it. It's like, yeah, you've had extremely bad experiences with Korean dudes. It might just apply to Asian dudes in general, even it's like, it's so bad to the point where you're joining a movement that thinks they're not redeemable. I'm like, yeah, things must be really, really bad. I mean, you know, they talked about uh, political lesbianism, I think. Yeah. And I thought that was wild. Like, it's yeah. like, it's like one thing to be gay, but it's another thing to be like, I have to be gay because the other is just not a great option for uh, yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-mm. We'll see. But I, I thought that was great. Like, I, I truly like, before this article did not know that much about Korea outside of the pros and cons of K-pop, you know, the, the cool side and the not good side. And then a little bit about Korean food, but not so much about like the, like the movement. Mm. Yeah. All right. And let's move on to our next article. So we're going to the West coast uh, in the U S. So this article is titled California steps to make college more affordable for undocumented students are not reaching most of them. I feel like the headline does most of the work here. It's a <laughs> it's a pretty accurate headline. Uh, maybe maybe some numbers. It's like only fourteen percent of the state's estimated undocumented po- um, population received financial aid. Yeah, I'll and it there, Jerry. What is one thought you had about this article? I there's there's a line in there that talks about actually filling out the paperwork to qualify for financial aid as an undocumented person because i i didn't know this i didn't know this until i i went to grad school and i met someone who was undocumented and he was like Mm. yeah i don't i don't qualify for fafsa i've never filled it out i can't fill it out and that's how i found out i was undocumented i was like holy shit that's (laughs) horrifying um but uh yeah it's it's a lot of paperwork essentially and it said like it was like 20 pages. I would fucking, I would not be able to do this shit. Like <laughs> 15 to 20 pages. I could barely fill out the common app, you know? Yep, <laughs> like, yep, yep. 
<laughs> yeah, what did you think? Yeah, I I mean the numbers are pretty bad. So like this one organization found that like over half, like fifty three percent of undocumented students in uh like for college didn't it didn't fill out this um it's like the Dream Act application for funding though. Yeah. Um, like the California Dream Act for funding. I'm like, whoa, that's a lot of people who have not had access to this even though they need it. Yeah. Um uh, that's that's really bad. And I I think the bigger thing that we talked about is like I in my mind, I think just from like consuming so much U.S. news, I thought that most undocumented people were like, you know, from crossing the border, like from the like from Mexico to the U.S., for example. Yeah. But there are these reports that said like visa visa overstays significantly exceed the amount of illegal crossings per year. So it's like most undocumented people have had visas like a long time ago. Yeah. And they expired and they just still stayed. And the reason that stuck with me is because we've always been talking about tech workers and their H-1B visas. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, after they can't find a job and if they stay, technically they're like undocumented. They're like illegal. Oh, I was just thinking about like a travel visa kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah that too. Yeah, oh, yeah. Most people get a travel visa. Then. Yeah, like a travel visa. Because like for me, like that actually makes more sense Yeah. that there are so many um, undocumented, particularly <clears throat> Asians, uh, just because... When we think about Latina people, they typically have to come, you know, through through like these treacherous uh, travels through like the Central America, right? Yeah, desert, but, no water, and things right, like that. Right, right, coyotes, like yep. both people and the animal. You know, like <laughs> yep. it's it's a it's, and then you got ice and all that. Um, oh, border yeah, patrol. Man. It's yeah, like it's 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 a and thing. And ice. And ice. Yeah, it's like um, the biggest. <laughs> and ice, um, but. Uh, when i when i think about you know it kind of makes sense that a large amount of people would just come here on like a travel visa and then disappear <laughs> yeah because you kinda... just come here on a plane and that, that, that's yeah. it that's it <laughs> that's actually pretty funny i'm not gonna lie <laughs> i'm like oh got him boys it, it expired i had no idea i was having oh. too much fun <laughs> right america is so good <laughs> so much fun but yeah i thought the numbers were interesting uh i don't i i found something from the center for migration studies said oh, that yeah, no. <laughs> almost like two million undocumented immigrants from asia and like uh, 35% come from India, another 20 from China, and then oh. Philippines, 10%. And then it's kind of interesting to see the rest of the other countries on there, are Vietnam, Pakistan, Nepal, Thailand, Afghanistan, and Bangladesh. Um, mm. None of them, you know, it's primarily, this list is primarily not East Asian countries, um, yeah. which I think is important yeah, yeah. to point out. Um, yep. Yeah, wild. Yeah, I mean, I hope... Uh... They do more marketing and PR. It sounds like they need a really good marketing person to just get the word out if, you know, more than half of people are not even applying for this. Yeah, what a flop. Yeah. <laughs> you know, speaking of flops, we're talking about Eric Adams. We're going to end the episode talking about Eric Adams. Uh, he wants New Yorkers to take their masks off in stores. Um, the context of this is apparently, you know, in response to a robber who wore a mask and a hazmat suit. People are leaving that out. He wore a hazmat suit, too. And um, uh, Mayor Adams believes that if people stop wearing masks, it will help the NYPD. Aaron, what are your thoughts on this? I sort of see the idea, but I think the hazmat suit thing is the biggest issue because I feel like you know, even if you are wearing a mask, you're pretty identifiable, right? Like people can see like what the rest of your head looks like, like hair, for example, yeah. like eyes, you know, any tattoos or piercings, for example, like, like it's only your mouth and nose that are uncovered. I feel like it's an overreaction and I hope it doesn't actually happen. Um, 
he's basically saying like people can take off their the people he wants people to take off their mask when they first walk in and then they can put it back on but i'm mean, like if you're like immunocompromised even doing that once is might be like a, like a death sentence for you yeah absolutely it's also a pain in the ass if you're wearing if you're immunocompromised and out and about. I imagine you're wearing like a thicker mask or like an N95. Mm, that shit's yeah. hard to take off. Just like oh, flash! Like it's the whole thing's coming off. You know? Yeah, exactly. And like part of the reason they care about this too is because they're saying like during COVID there were many many more complaints of shoplifting. And I'm like, come on, guys! Like, like <sighs> whose whose fault is this? <laughs> like. <laughs> you don't give people money during covid and then you also complain about shoplifting it's like bro come on you, you can't you know have the cake eat it too kind of thing right i i feel like he's kind of holding a i don't want to say holding a gun to us but like it's just like it would you know is he gonna like ask for a bigger budget for the police so they can get better training to uh, identify people you know yeah. like technology to like scan people's just eyeballs yeah um, like what's what's he doing did you see that TikTok of um? It was police filming outside of Atlantic Barclays Center after like a Drake concert. Yes, I I did see that. I think it was yeah. the the uh, up in Harlem, like near the. Oh, Apollo. okay, no, okay, not yeah, Atlantic, yeah. But, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they they were like testing out facial recognition technology, and people were like, "Why us though?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like it's. I mean, I'm like kind of wondering like how many times has this happened where someone's only worn a regular mask and done shoplifting? Because again, the hazmat suit thing and like most robbers, they wear complete ski masks. They cover right. everything. Yeah. Maybe you should just ban ski masks. But obviously the people wearing the ski masks are there for a reason. So I feel like if you see someone with a ski mask in your store, it's it's already too late. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's already you too know? late. It's, it's too late. Yeah. With bills and other ideas from politicians, the worst part is that they are always covered. Like the media will even latch on to the like with the whole Texas, you know, bill banning the the land purchases from Chinese citizens. Yeah. Like as soon as it starts, there's a whole bunch of reporting. But then where there's, uh, there's backlash, there's more reporting. Uh, and I'm hoping in this case there's just going to be backlash, or this is like an idea that's just going to disappear by next mm, week. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, he's been saying all sorts of stupid shit lately like the other day or so he went on like a radio show and like um basically said that he would not comply with the concept of separation of church and state <laughs> i was just like yo that's literally illegal yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also in new york so uh, yeah. i don't know well i mean with eric adams you know the same guy who said you know no new jail in chinatown he's yeah. I, I just feel like the the things that he keeps his he keeps his attention on and focuses on and commits to are always fluctuating. So uh, yeah, we'll see fair. what happens. Yeah. Yeah. But okay, I guess on the note of Eric Adams potentially not doing bad things, fingers crossed. Uh, that's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to support the podcast, feel free to uh, you know number one, give us a five star review on Apple or Spotify. Number two, if you want to donate. That's uh, buymeacoffee.com slash politicalasian. And number three, follow us on Instagram at politicallyasianpodcast or on Twitter. I feel like at this point, just Google our name, politicallyasianpodcast. You'll figure it out. There's no one else. (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.